Hello, everyone, and welcome to At the Corner with Imperfect Life, the podcast showcasing extraordinary, ordinary women and discussing the issues and topics that intersect with our lives. I'm your host, Katie Capoza, and for today's episode, we find ourselves at the corner of self-care and courage. Oftentimes, making the shifts necessary to create a more fulfilling and healthier life takes great leaps of courage and self-reflection. And for this conversation, that is exactly what we're going to explore and discuss. This episode, I'm very honored to have two guests join me to share their personal journeys in regard to honing in on what was most important for them and the life choices they've taken and continue to take as they focus in on what matters most to them. First, I'd like to introduce Jen Gutman. Jen and I worked together several years ago and have stayed connected through the magic of social media. I've been watching her personal journey and I'm so grateful she's agreed to come on and talk about it with us today. Welcome, Jen. Would you like to do a short introduction so our audience gets to know you a bit? Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Jen Gutman, and my story really starts with a very long HR career. As Katie referenced, we started working at Disney. Just some context around why I'm here today. I spent 26 years at Disney in senior HR roles and then transitioned into a senior HR role within a healthcare system locally. And I thought that the silver bullet to me feeling better about my life and where I was going to be realized when I went to Nemours, the healthcare system. And that soon came to not be the realization for me and made me really start examining where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. And I had a very unfortunate incident whereby I was let go at work. So really forced my hand at taking some time to really reflect on who I am, what I want to be, where I've been. And so I'll leave it right there because I think I'm going to get to share a little bit more later, but I just wanted to give you some context. Perfect. Thank you. And welcome. So appreciate you being here. And our next guest is Christina Grant, who I've had the good fortune to get to know through a mutual friend of ours who also tipped me off that Christina might be a great guest for this topic. I think we've even explored the JPL space complex together. (laughs) I was like, now that I think about it. So Christina, I'm so glad you could join us and share your story. And how about sharing a little bit about yourself to the audience? Sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Katie. So a little bit about me. I grew up in Michigan and after college, my boyfriend, then now husband, Ryan and I packed up our stuff and decided to hit the road, move to Orlando, where we continue to live today. Also, I really dig reading, getting outside to walk, going to live concerts in the theater. And believe it or not, I really like yard work. Also, I'm really (laughs) energized by learning new things. And I'm grateful to have an adventurous friend, Maureen which is our connection, Katie, Yeah, that I often get to travel and explore both locally and long distance with. So a little bit about me and I'll share more about what led me here later. Perfect. Perfect. And apparently I need to get some yard work gardening tips from you too, as I get better at that. (laughs) All right. So let's dive into our conversation. And on this podcast, we always like to start with a little context for our listeners. So let's start there and then we'll jump into our own personal experiences. So as you all know, I go out and do some research on each of these conversations. And this one was interesting because in general, this conversation is really about individuals finding clarity on what matters most to them. 
And then making choices and taking steps to have more of that in their life and minimize the impact of all that other stuff that creates noise for us as much as we can. The challenge is that so many times individuals don't necessarily know what that might be for them, but know their life feels really misaligned and off balance. And for them, they're at the beginning of their journey. It's like a detective looking for clues. I know this isn't the solution, but there's something out there. And so it's such an individual journey. And while there's often overlap and similarities between different people's paths and what matters most list, there are very individual nuances and different paths to understanding what matters most personally and taking action to have better alignment. So that being said, I am going to throw out a few things I learned along the way and see how they sit with my guests and for you listeners. One of the articles I read was from this gentleman, Steve Spring, writing for Tiny Buddha, which I just loved the name of the website. Love love that. Love (laughs) it. And at the beginning of his article, he had a David Thoreau quote. And Jen, I know you love quotes. This one said, it's not enough to be busy. So are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? And this quote frankly, is what sucked me into the article uh, because I have definitely felt busy my entire life. Since I started working at the age of 16, (laughs) I have felt busy between, and even if you think about as a kid, I was juggling school, athletics, dance, family events, a part-time job, and then all of those kind of upgraded into more complex adult activities as I got older. So the author writes, there was a time in my life when I was busy. I was focused on my career, spending a lot of time at work and enjoying the fruits of my labor. This was okay for a while, but after months and months of working 70 hour weeks, it became a struggle for me to just make it through the day. I began to wish that things would slow down enough for me to be able to enjoy life. And he goes on to share how he kept forcing himself to keep going until one day he gets sick and he finds himself in the hospital. He shares when you are lying in a hospital bed and you don't know if you're going to live or die, you spend a lot of time thinking about what is really important in life. So we're going to put a pin in that comment, because we're definitely going to talk about that. And especially related to what we've all been going through over the last two years. But if you think he's alone in pushing himself to the brink, the American Psychological Association shares that chronic stress is linked to six leading causes of death, including heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidents, cirrhosis of the liver and suicide. And according to the Center for Disease Control and National Institute on Occupational Safety and Health, The workplace is the number one cause of life stress and reports that 120,000 people die every year as a direct result of work-related stress and creates over $190 billion of healthcare costs in problems such as heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, anxiety disorder, and other illnesses. And this data is a couple years old. So I imagine that number actually has maybe even grown since then. So it really is life and death for many. And what are the causes of stress and burnout in a work scenario? According to a Harvard Business Review article, there are six areas that can lead to this. Your workload, your perceived lack of control, whether the extrinsic and intrinsic rewards have a match or a mismatch, the community and cultural dynamic, a lack of perceived fairness, and a values mismatch. Additionally, there's an article that was published this past November by the Pew Research Group that sought to better understand what gives people satisfaction in their lives, how much of that is fundamental and shared across cultures, and how much is unique to a given society. They collected this research by posing an open-ended question, what makes life meaningful? 
nearly 19,000 adults across 17 advanced economies, which is important to note that while this is global, it is a very specific swath of, of the global community. What they found in the combined data is that it is clear that one source of meaning is predominant, family. 38% of respondents overall selected it as their first choice. And in 14 of the 17 economies surveyed, more mentioned their family as a source of meaning in their lives than any other factor. Occupation was also largely emphasized and showed up second overall with 25% of respondents putting it as their top choice. The next three categories are quite close, material well-being, friends and community, and physical and mental health, with the three of these elements having great variability across the economies. Some of the other categories include freedom and independence, hobbies, education, nature, travel, religion, pets. I feel like pets should not bend so low, but pets. <laughs> For me, um, it wouldn't be. <laughs> no, it totally wouldn't. And others. Yeah, like I said, this was super interesting. You could click through the demographics and really click down into that. And it's a lot of stuff. So I was very busy <laughs> with research. So first I want to jump into uh, Christina and Jen, your reactions on what I just shared. And then if any of them connect with your personal story, because I'd like to dive into our own personal stories at this point as well, too. So any initial reactions, thoughts? Yeah, yeah. go ahead, Christina. I mean, it, I found the research fascinating. I'll say what really resonated for me was Steve Spring's article. And what sucked me in was the title. He had me at the title, specifically <laughs> the part about living by default. Because yeah. as my story, for my story, that's really what I was doing. For my life, I was just pretty much living by default. And in a way for me, that was really driven by what I call the shoulds. Mm -hmm. Things like you should go to college and get a great job. You should mm -hmm. work hard move up the ladder, gain success. You should buy a house and raise a family. So for me, it really framed the first part of my story, which is when I was all in on career and moving up that ladder and focusing only on that success and that material well-being. So th that really resonated for me quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I, and I would say the same thing that was so loud and clear and prominent for me because I was sitting here even making a list. I can remember high school. I was in the marching band. Marching band wasn't enough. It's okay. You got to be drum major. You go to college because that's what you should do. And even <laughs> though you don't know what you want to do and did the sorority life and did the Disney college program and stayed at Disney and worked hard. And I felt like I was continuing to seek kind of the perfect or ideal role, because that's what you're supposed to do. That that's what you do. You find a career and you climb the career ladder. You start a family. I felt I was supposed to be that involved mom. I was the team mom for the varsity football team, the varsity baseball team. I was trying to work at Disney and in an HR career. And I, I just found myself in this never ending cycle. And not that I did not want to do all of that stuff, but again, it was the kind of social expectation, cultural expectation of these things that you were supposed to do, meant to do. So that was very loud and clear for me from that article as well. 
Yeah, the uh, it's interesting. Both of you are saying things that totally resonate with me. The shoulds, I was living the plan. I knew in high school, I'm going to go work mm-hmm. for Disney. Okay, then I get to Disney. Now I got to become a manager. And then I think about how many times I, I did get to a point in my career where I started pausing, but people, oh, you'd be great at this. Oh, I think mm-hmm. I would be great at this. Let me go do this. Wait, I don't actually want to do this, but here I am. So I will mm-hmm. do it well. And then that leads to, oh, you would be great at this. Sure. And I think about all of those things of working the plan that if I had been a little less planful, maybe I would have made some pivots earlier on. Yeah. I'm curious with the Pew research and the number one being family, did that resonate or would you actually have something? I, I know my list, if I looked at all of the things that, that I had on there would be a little bit different than what the research was shaking out to, but I'm curious if you answer the question, what makes life meaningful to Mm -hmm. you? What would that answer have, have been? And you might still be discovering it. Yeah. I think for me, you just hit the nail on the head. I'm still trying to figure that out. Clearly family is at the top of that list, but what is, what does that mean? I just feel like I am in this space right now where I'm just trying to figure it all out because I feel like it's the first time in my life that I've really had time to stop and think about those things. You just go autopilot day to day and you don't take time to think about what is most important and where you should be putting the majority of your energy, family clearly. And especially I have two, two parents, a mother with Parkinson's, a father that's 82. We have a 99-year-old aunt in assisted living down the road. My husband and I spend a lot of time with them. But you know what? That that's soul-sucking too. And that uh, also yeah. takes away from what, yeah. How do I balance all of this? Yeah. Yeah. Christina. So what matters most to me now are my health and well-being and embracing the experiences that I have with those people that are closest to me. And I say now because that's a recent shift, like a very recent, as in the past several years and hitting the nail on the head very recently, beginning of this year. But when I look at that Pew research and I saw, I believe the top three were uh, family, career, and the material well-being. So up until recently, career, material well-being, mm-hmm. and then family and friends, what I could fit them in, that was my, that was my focus, but things happened that made me realize that perhaps that wasn't the right focus for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other thing I found interesting about the research is when they started to slice and dice it by age brackets and talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. earlier on, it's logical early on that I might be more focused on making sure that I have a place to live and food on the table. And you typically create a good quote unquote, whatever good job is. Yeah. So it is interesting to that point, Jen, you and I spending so much time in human resources. I have Mm -hmm. always said that companies get employee value propositions wrong, that they should design these based on people's life stages because you want and need different things at different times in your life. But right. But we're trying to make everything fair and equal. And Mm -hmm. so a ton of stuff that maybe early in your career, you're like, well, I don't really need that later on in your career. I want more of that, but I don't need that. So I, because what you're saying is I think if I talk about right now for me, health, health would be, would 
be up there. I don't know if it's number one or number two. Learning is always high for me. And education mm-hmm. was low on that list, which I was surprised. Wait, that's just me. That's my value system. So I was, and I think learning and education happens throughout your entire life. So that to me would be higher and things around nature and stuff like that. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm going to connect with my family and friends through those things. So yeah. that to me, it's like an extension of that, trying to involve those people into those aspects of my life. Maybe let's, let's explore our own personal stories, our own personal journeys. Cause it's, I work, I think we're coming to some personal realizations at a similar timing, mm-hmm. but I believe our mm-hmm. journeys have all been timed and a little bit different. Do one of, one of you want to kick off and, and share where you're at and the journey you've been on? Yeah. Christina, you, you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, happy to kick it off. All right. So I've already shared the fact that I was all in for my career for the majority of my life. And that's not to say that my career isn't still important to me, by the way, I want to make that clear, like from the (laughs) get go. But as I thought about those shoulds, I knew early on that being a mom wasn't in my future. So I feel like I put myself even more so into that career. And like, there was a point where I was working in a role where I was a road warrior. And we used to make joke, like we used to joke about the fact that I was a weekend wife and friend. And I look back now, I'm like, that's not even funny. Ha ha, look at how hilarious this is. So the tide really turned for me about four years ago when I decided to take control of my physical health. I had been overweight my almost my entire life I'd been overweight and it was taking a toll. So I started working out, I started making better food choices and lo and behold, I started feeling a lot better. Then I realized, hey, I think it's time for me to make a career move, find a new gig where I have a chance to broaden my horizons, flex some skill sets that I haven't been flexing as much in this space and also find a gig that's going to allow me to be at home more. Yeah, so I'm not yeah. on the road all the time. Yeah. So I felt great, had a fabulous new gig. I was spending quality time with family and friends. Life was good. And then I started experiencing things at work that I'd never experienced before, like imposter syndrome. But my entire career, I've never had this going on. Anxiety, sometimes to the point of panic. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? Everything is supposed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's not like I was failing at work. I was excelling. So this was like a completely uncomfortable space for me to be in. Yeah. When you're uncomfortable, that likely points to maybe the fact that there's something misaligned or wrong. I tapped into my network. I found support. I managed through it. When these feelings started to surface again, I'm like, okay, I think I need to go seek the support of a professional. And yeah. she helped me quite significantly. She helped me come to great realizations about what mattered to me, my personal needs, my feelings, which are not something I really ever got connected with. And finally, like that cycle came around again, like three times in the course of as many years, like, something's going on and I've got to get real with myself. So as I started to really reflect, it became evident to me that you know, it, it wasn't the job. I was excelling at the job. It wasn't me. I was more grounded than, I, like I'm more grounded than I've ever been. It just wasn't a fit. Yeah. And, and as much as I tried to make that fit, it didn't. To the point that my body was telling me, 
it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, that's when I realized what I have to put my health and my personal well-being first, because if I can't be present for me, how can I be present for anybody else Mm -hmm. or anything else? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was like this, this epiphany (laughs) that the clouds parted and the music started. Right. Right. So, you know, things have to get messy many times Mm -hmm. in order for things to become clear, at least for me. And so that was a really big, that was really impactful to me. And I made a decision to actually press pause and step away from that position in order to really focus on me and finding that right fit. Yeah. And it was tough because it goes against all those shoulds that are out there, <laughs> what you should mm-hmm. and should not do. I guess it goes against mm-hmm. all those should not. But at the end of the day, I'm calm because it's the first time that I've really truly ever made a decision that's based on how I feel and yeah. what's right for me. And I know that I'll, I'll continue to excel in a career. I'll land some place that is that right fit where I can be whole. And I'm grateful for that experience as, as icky as it was to be going through it. Like I'm grateful and I'm also grateful that I'm able to do it because I know that it's not something everybody's able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it is interesting yeah. though, as you were talking about, hadn't, had, hadn't really paused to think about your feelings or explore your feelings. And you think about just societally, how <laughs> as women, we're told that our emotions can be a detriment for us in the workplace. Yep. And yep. for men, they're conditioned since they're born that like big boys don't mm-hmm. cry. Yep. Right. And I know I'm putting a very male female with and not having the nuances from a gender perspective in there, but they're I, just culturally. And I, I say this more from a U.S. perspective, we've got it all wrong on how we approach yep. exploring <laughs> feelings and, and how we pull those into play. So, yeah. So Christina, thank you for that. And actually some of the things you um, shared, we're going to pull in on the compelling question. So we'll bounce back to that in a moment. Jen, how about you? Sure. And I think Christina, our paths are parallel in in many ways. I I shared a little bit about working at Disney, took on progressively um, larger roles, more responsibility, leading greater groups of people. And after 26 years, I, I just felt, I started feeling this, you know, some of the things that are happening in this company right now are not in alignment with me morally, ethically, and just how I feel about going into work every day. And when I had, they say everything happens for a reason. And I went out for a foot surgery. And during that time, I had time to really think about, do I want to try my hand at doing this work someplace different? Do I want to stay, continue being unhappy? And I, I did, I submitted my application to Nemours and a week later, got a call to interview two weeks later was hired. And I was on this new path and I thought life is really good. Go and be a superstar here. And I did. I loved it. I unfortunately uh, worked with a boss towards the end of my time at Nemours that really, really was the 
straw that broke the camel's back for me as far as, you know, my work, feeling valued, confident. This boss was a narcissist, clearly, and just broke me down. Mm. And, and I was, in, at the end, let go, which was devastating in itself. I had never been separated from a job. I'd been the separator and it was just horrific. And I just thought it was the end of the world. And I, like you, Christina, I sought out help. I spent lots of time with a couple therapists and I just tried to dig into kind of what was going on in my life, where I was at. And it was very, very helpful, but really what helped me make a turning point was that not working and just being able to as you said, Christina, hit the pause button and really just think about where I've been, my journey, me, because I think that's what I had not been thinking about all this time. Again, you get in the cycle of doing all those things that you're supposed to be doing. I did have a great career. I made great money. I, I had focused on my health. I did half marathons. I, you know, was very involved with the boys in school, but there was just this boy. And my husband is absolutely amazing. He was a stay at home father for, oh, I want to say six years. I worked and I am so grateful for that. But I, there was something missing for me. Fall of 2019, when this job loss occurred, I, I took a few months and I just, I really did nothing, but I listened to a lot of Brene Brown and did a lot of yeah. reading and worked in my yard like you, Christina. Mm -hmm. And I finally got to a place where I felt a little more healed, a little more whole. And I knew I needed to do something, but I knew I was adamant about not going back to a corporate job. I knew it was not good for my mental health. I had contact at the public's up the road because both of my sons had worked there. And I decided to go up and talk to the store manager, my friend, Alan, and said, here's my story. And I laid it out on the line for him. I said, I just need to do something. So what do you want to do? I said, give me cashier role. I, it doesn't matter. So Next thing I know, I am working at Publix and which is a grocery store in the state oh, of Florida oh, yeah, for those of yeah. you that don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Yes. <laughs> a very well-known grocery store. And, um, and I very quickly realized that I was having the opportunity to do what I absolutely loved. And that is interact with people make them, help them have a happy day, give them a warm smile, help them find an item. And I just found my happy spot. Now I'll tell you, $13.90 an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what I was making before, but you know what? It's all good. And I feel so blessed because I have a husband that is financially secure for us. He has been so supportive. I feel so fortunate. My family's been great. And I've had so many cool opportunities. When COVID hit, I, I did vaccine check-in for the pharmacy and just being there and helping people go through that challenging time was an amazing opportunity. I got tapped to go work in the floral department, which is where I'm at now. I'm getting ready to cross train in the bakery. And it's just... <laughs> This role has really given me time to be more present 
and in the moment with myself, how I am feeling when I am with other people and just to be more confident because I am doing what I truly do very well. And I don't have to deal with the stress of trying to make myself fit in some place that doesn't align with my beliefs. Yeah. Which I think what you just said is super, super important. And I am a huge proponent of exploring your value systems. Mm -hmm. Trying to understand, I, a bulk of my career was working in organizational development and organizational yep. health. So my job was getting to the root cause of stuff. And yeah. so I love pulling that thread. So I do it to myself. <laughs> Because I think um, similar to both of you, I, I you were like, and Jen, you said things happen for a reason. And I really think mm -hmm. I've lived a life of things happening for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because while I may not, like, I'm, I can tune in pretty quickly when I'm not in the right spot or when things are not right for me, but I might not be able to put my finger on what it is. And because of what I did for a career, I put myself through the, the yeah. exercise of, so what's behind that? And what's behind that? And asking myself mm -hmm. the five, six whys behind mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. to go, oh, what this is really about is like, the, I left Disney after 25 years. I actually resigned on my 25th anniversary. I felt really bad. Oh my goodness. Um, wow. I didn't plan wow. it. Like that wasn't an actual statement. <laughs> it just happened that <laughs> I got the job offer. Uh, something fell into my lap, uh, which is what brought us. Well, it, uh, one of the reasons we came to Seattle, but I knew when I was there, cause I pulled the strings and I'm like, I'm not learning anymore. And I was getting all these great opportunities, but I wasn't learning in the way that I needed to learn. And I also knew that I wanted to use my powers for something different. <laughs> so you're right. Working for Disney was a great career, but I wanted to be able to go take what I knew and knew how to do and go do it for organizations that were trying to make social impact, which is what I pivoted to. And then Jen, to your journey, about, but I ended up working for this incredibly toxic leader. And mm -hmm. I, I was just like, I, I can't. I cannot do this. So when I left, I was working for an organization that's a consulting firm that's really scrappy. They're super creative about what they do. I was learning from all these amazing people, but then they were acquired and it was interesting because every, I hadn't even been there a year, but a lot of the colleagues of mine are like, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I kept saying, folks, it's actually quite simple. <laughs> I say simple, simple isn't easy. Figure out the values that are important for you within yep. an organization and for you to get from leaders. And if you're not checking all those boxes, then yep. you've got to ask yourself, how many boxes are you okay with not being checked? And for me, there were not even close enough boxes <laughs> being checked for me, which is when I decided I'm going to spin off on my own. Now I have learned a lot of things I do not enjoy from being self-employed. <laughs> But, but and maybe that'll be a whole episode on its own, <laughs> but, but I've learned a lot of what I do like. And one of the things is that I can carve out time to go play in my garden, mm -hmm. to go for a hike and to explore. I dusted off the sewing machine and was sewing like a crazy fool during COVID. My home ec teacher would have been impressed because <laughs> I'm awful at it. I was so awful at it, but I think I was feeling like, especially at Disney, like it was Groundhog's Day. I kept waking yep. up and living the same day and it wasn't like a super fantastic day. It wasn't a super awful day, but it wasn't a super fantastic day. So yeah, I think a lot of us, we've had kind of these crisscrosses on things that were 
their signals for that. So this mm -hmm. is actually a great uh, spot for us to go to what we regularly do on each episode, which is tackling a compelling question. Uh, and for those of you that are listening, check out our social media channels and the corner to jump into the conversation as well. And our question is, is really, and, and Christina, you talked about this. So it was a it, super good parallel, which is, did your body send you signals that lets mm -hmm. you know you're out of alignment? Mm -hmm. So A, if so, what are some of those signals if you're willing to share? But B, how long did it take you to figure out those signals? <laughs> a question on top of that as well too. So I'll let you think a little bit. So I'll throw mine mm -hmm. out. I get sick to my stomach. I, mm -hmm. it's this anxiousness that just focuses in on my stomach. And I, and I know like sometimes I know what the stomach is telling me. I sometimes don't know what it's about, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but it does actually make me go, okay, what decisions have I made or what agreements have I made recently that would make me start feeling this way? And I, if I think back, I have had that stomach ache, stomach mm -hmm. and knots thing since I was a little kid, but I recognized it. It was actually while I was at Disney, I had um, interviewed for a job. Jen, you might remember this when they blew up the whole Disney University and got rid of all. Oh, the yeah. All of a sudden I was by myself. And people had just dumped boxes in my cube. And I was like, all right, let's figure I this out. I remember that. <laughs> so I'd actually been interviewing for a different job within the company and I got it and I accepted it. And it was right before Thanksgiving and I was ill the whole weekend. And I was, I'm not supposed to take that job. I know that's that decision. So the very next day, and I'm like, I am nuts. But I called and I said, I really apologize, but I have to, I'm not going to take the job. And it was everybody was very gracious about it and everything. And it was the, I hung up the phone and my stomach ache went away. So from that point on, I'm wow. like, when I feel this, I know I've gone awry. <laughs> so how about the two of you? So what I've discovered is it, I think it just, it's varying degrees for me, but I definitely get discombobulated. It might become <laughs> difficult for me to focus or <laughs> I get uber focused, like I spiral. I call, I refer to it as spiraling. Like I spiral into one space or place. Mm. I can't pull away from it, which is not usually what I do. But also the anxiety. And for me, it's a race. My heart will start to race. Yeah. The other things I've noticed is that I, I also have a tendency when something isn't right, I'll get extremely impatient and <laughs> short and terse. And, but I'm still learning how to, I'm still learning how to tune into those vibes. Yeah, and so fair. one of the things that I'm learning to do is to trust my gut because I can now look back, like you mentioned, Katie, you can mm -hmm. look back and see times where it was real evident that was happening to you physically and things weren't right. Yeah. Retrospectively, I can look back and say, oh, things, things aren't right. But it actually, it was actually through the help of the professional therapist that I saw that I was able to identify that it was sound horrible, but I felt like there was something wrong for me if I was having those types of yeah. um, mm -hmm. symptoms that I couldn't mm -hmm. control. Like I can't yeah. control it. So there must be something wrong. But the reality is, no, that's just your heart telling you yeah. your head needs to, yeah. you know, realign. Yeah. That's how your body's responding. Yeah. The, it's interesting. You said the, the short and getting, I'm like, that's my signal for when I'm stressed is when I'm short, irritable and snappy. And then I'm like, yep. Oh, what's stressing me? <laughs> 
something mm-hmm. scares me. Okay, Jen, what about you? I would say a lot of those are similar for me. Mine, depression and, and anxiety really popped out for me. I, I, I just, I want to be alone. I don't want to be with other people probably at a time mm. when I, I need to, you know, talk or when I was connecting with people, it, it, it was pretty negative and yeah. not solution oriented. Yeah, I do. And I, I would say another one for me is just the spiraling of my self-worth and yeah. my confidence. I just, I feel this something, something isn't right. And then I start questioning, is it me? Am I what's not right? Is, is everybody else in the company or the organization? Am I just not getting it? Or is there something wrong with me? And it's just, it's a a terrible feeling. And, and I would say it, it manifests for me physically too. And it's been very interesting because probably the past six years or so I have just had this awful pain throughout my body. And I just thought, oh, I'm getting older. I, it, that's just what happens. I'm 55 now. And, and not working in that corporate environment and being able to focus on my health has helped me to get at the root cause of what's going on. Yeah. And, and I think I have a resolve, but it manifested out of the misery I was feeling at the time that I was in those situations um, not recognizing it at the moment. I think, very, you know, we're saying very similar things. Well, which is right. The research that I was sharing at the beginning yep. of the podcast, like all those health issues, the, I have for the last year been working with a physical therapist to her words, unravel the pain and what is going up. It's my whole upper right side from my neck to my shoulder down around my shoulder blade perpetual pain, couldn't sleep because of it, like just constantly uncomfortable. Mm. I'm finally at a point I can still feel it's there, but I don't have to slowly get up in the morning and it mm-hmm. go to bed. But she's you, she went in, she goes, I should get my hands under this muscle. I can't. So we've been spending wow. this whole time unraveling <laughs> muscles that have been raveled by stress. So yeah. So folks, those physical pains are telling you something. Definitely. Um, All right. Thank you so much to our guests for tackling this episode's compelling question. And for those of you listening, again, check out our social media and go into our private community, The Corner, to jump in on the conversation and share how your body sends you spidey signals that you're out of alignment with what matters most to you. So in the spirit of that question, I would love to have a conversation about why we get out of alignment with what matters most. Because Jen, something you just said about it's me, right? I've got to, mm-hmm. I got to work. It's mm-hmm. some, is it me? I got to fix it. And we want to fix it. And the thing that we feel like we have the most power over is ourselves. So we're going to mm-hmm. fix ourselves. Um, and, but a lot of times it's out of alignment and it doesn't matter how much you do for yourself or even how much you try to influence the environment. Sometimes when it's just not a match, it's just not a match. So through the research I was doing, I stumbled on a bunch of concepts. So I want to throw out a few of these to the two of you. And then I'd love to hear whether you can like it resonates or whether you would add to this list based on your own personal experiences. And this is about how we get out of alignment, why we get out of alignment. Later on, we're going to see what we can share with the audience about maybe how to to move towards alignment. And so a couple of things, and actually this might tie into something you were saying, Christina, as well, our relationship with suffering. 
that we don't recognize when challenging has transitioned to suffering. And so we'll just keep sticking with something because we don't want to be called a quitter or it's all about us. And Mm -hmm. so we'll just suffer. And I do love the phrase with discomfort comes growth, but at some point it's pain and injury comes with that, right? Yes. Yeah. So that was one of them. Another one was taking the time to think about and write down your values and using them as criteria and life choices. It's just not a common practice. People Mm -hmm. don't give themselves the space. And I think for all three of us, we've had an opportunity over the last couple of years to give us that moment to do that. And I, and we all recognize that is a gift that we have and not everybody has that moment, but just being able to write that down and have it as criteria. There was another one. We don't pause enough to evaluate what energizes us and what drains Mm -hmm. us and then calibrating our life to give us more energy and minimize the drainers. And then the fourth item, we can get distracted by things that have perceived societal value, but don't Mm -hmm. really align with our own personal value systems. So Mm -hmm. I think we've touched on a lot of these, but I'd love Mm -hmm. any reactions or would you add to that list about what gets us out of alignment? Go ahead, Christina. I was going to say, Katie, you're absolutely correct. Like the, so the first one that hit me was the relationship with suffering. And we want to keep forging forward because we don't want to be a quitter. And like that, that is so, it has me written all over it. I'm going to do, and I'm going to do great. No matter what the odds, I'm going to keep going. And so being able to realize when it's no longer healthy, which took me most recently, several tries to finally realize, all right, I can't keep coming back here. Yeah. And then the other thing was the getting distracted by things that have perceived social value. Because for me, that really connected with what I call the shoulds. You should do this, you should do that. But I also think that, and I mentioned this a moment ago, or earlier as well, but for me, I had to learn to really sort to my heart versus my head. Like logic mm. is one of my control mm-hmm. mechanisms. I want to control mm-hmm. things. I want to succeed. So for me, I had to start to really listen to what does my heart say? And again, it's very personal, but it's dif- that was difficult for me to do. It's still difficult for me to do, but mm-hmm. I'm trying every day to continue to do that because I know that's what makes me whole. And right. I'm sure there's a counterbalance to that for people who lead with their heart. And right, like, here's the signals from that perspective, something that you said when you were talking about the suffering piece, also, like I think about in my twenties and maybe even early thirties, staying in relationships that I knew were going nowhere, but I was (laughs) like committed. We've been together for a while. I feel like I should, out of respect to the relationship, I should put a little more effort into it. And then right at the end going, yeah, it's just not working. (laughs) And going, yeah. (laughs) But I think, I think about how many times people stay in relationships too, when they know, I know this isn't, I know it could be better, but I've committed to this. And because of that, whether that's through faith and the value system you have around your personal faith, or whether that's just because of your DNA. And I said, I was going to do it. So I'm going to stick with it. But as you were saying that I was thinking about how much does that not only apply to like our relationships with work and other things, but also with people. Jen, what about you? I think for me, it is, it's about those societal expectations, but, but also this fear of what other people think. And I really struggled with that when I decided to go work at Publix, 
I'm like, oh my goodness, what are people going to think of me? What is wrong with you, Jen? Why would you go from being a senior HR leader to being a cashier? And I, you know, I've just gotten to the point where I don't care because yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. I, I'm happy. And you know, Katie, I blasted all over, you know, Facebook. And yes. I love your like- face is always glowing <laughs> and smiling for the listeners. I've been telling Christina and Jen that I'm really determined that I'm going to get this job drawing cider out at the, the cider <laughs> two blocks down my house. Cause they just look like they're having so much fun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, similar to to you, but this whole expectations around what you should be doing. And I mean, I didn't want to let my parents down. I didn't want to let my husband down. He was on my insurance. I'm oh my gosh, where's our insurance going to come from? And just all of those things are in your mind. And so people were questioning when I resigned from Disney, you're like nine years away from having all the retirement benefits. And I'm like, imagine what I could do in nine years. I just, I was like, I don't, nine years seems like a lot to me. I know. And it's just your perspective, right? For them, nine years is close. You've been here for 25, nine years is so close. And I'm like, I I could do a lot. You touch on something, Jen, though, is, which is the fear piece. So as far as being fearful or what you're worried about. For me, it was really, I don't know why, because my parents have never been this way, but just this, I'm going to let my parents down. They, because Mm -hmm. the path, they're very Mm -hmm. proud of the path I've been on and they bragged all their friends and all of that. So what are they going to do if I start these two businesses and they bomb? What are they going to brag about Mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. So to me, it was a little bit about letting um, my parents down. I've been lucky because my husband, he followed my career around the globe, literally. And so I've been like, it's your time. You go do what you want. But he's been (laughs) super supportive. And I'm sure there are other people whose spouses would have said, no, you need to get a real job. (laughs) You've got to contribute in this way, but. Christina, what's the the little whisper in your ear from a fear or a worry perspective as you're trying to align what matters most for you? I would say initially it was before I made, as I was trying to make my decision to step away, it was definitely what Jen was experiencing, like fear of what other people might think. Mm -hmm. But then I realized it doesn't really matter what those other people think. What are my fears now? I guess there's still, there's still that fear of failure, which is, you know, ever present. I think I shouldn't say ever present, but there, there's that potential fear of failure, but Mm -hmm. like failure that I'm not going to be able to continue with a career or find that right fit. But I also realized when I step back from it, that that's just, that's what fear does is it, it tries to immobilize you when the reality is that I know I'll find a right fit. I, mm-hmm. And I know that I'll be able to continue to thrive and succeed. So there's that. And then there's also, you know, a little bit of concern about our, our future financial stability. Yeah. Obviously yeah. with yeah. both of us contributing, then we get closer to retirement and those goals that we are working toward. But I too, I'm very grateful to have an extremely supportive husband who was like, you need to look at this like an investment in you, which is an investment in our future. Yeah, you can't look that. at this like great taking yeah. something away from us. It's giving back. So husband awesome. points. Husband yeah. points there. I think we've got some great, we got great husbands here. Yeah. 
I will say it is funny because with us and I went, because we have our little teardrop camper. I'm like, worst case scenario, we're living in the teardrop at a campground. I'm cool. Um, Well, there was an article I read in the Atlantic um, called, are we trading our happiness for modern comforts? And so the subheading of it was as society gets richer, people chase the wrong things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It talks about the paradox that in the U.S. as the income scale increases, happiness is actually decreasing. And this has actually been steadily happening since 1988 to present. So, you know, about all the time we're all getting into work and living. So this is us. This is all about us. Um, But I always think about, I have some really good friends in Orlando and they're very clear on what's important to them. It is their family and is their faith Mm -hmm. and it's the community that they belong to. And they put all their energy toward that. And I am huge on trying to put, invest where you get energized and try and manage where Mm -hmm. you get drained. And they're not wealthy. They live a comfortable life, right? Like they're, they're doing okay. And a lot of it is because of what they put into the community. The community takes care of them, like in really Mm -hmm. amazing ways. And I think of them often because there are points in my life where if I just had stuck with the little cheap car, if I had just stuck with a smaller Mm -hmm. house right now, I'm like, if we could like take off a couple hundred square feet off this house that I'd be good. Cause I'd have to clean less. Like, <laughs> and so I, I, and I do think about, I call them my years of austerity when I was trying to pay off all my student loans and all that stuff. Uh-huh. I rented this little itty bitty garage apartment. That was a duplicate of the large house that it was connected to. And I had no cable. So at the time I had rabbit ears with aluminum foil on my television to try and get three channels of <laughs> public broadcasting. And my shower was probably no bigger than a cruise shower. (laughs) It was just this little tiny place. And I was able to pay off so much stuff, but I learned all the free things to do in Orlando and I actually had more fun. And so I do think about this article to me makes a lot of sense. And I do think personally, it, it has potentially taken me off track in some ways of things that mean most to me because you start managing stuff versus enjoying experiences. So I don't know if any of that resonated with the two of you. Yes, definitely. You know, I have always been a thing person, but I, and I don't know why I have looking, you know, perfect, having the best clothes, shoes. I thrived on walking into work every day and having people say, Oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. That's new. (laughs) And I just, that stuff was important to me. And it's been so interesting. Even yesterday I was driving home from work and I just started thinking about how proud I am of my boys and my husband and how I can reach out to my higher power whenever I need something. But how often do I reach out to say thank you? Yeah. For what I have and expressing gratitude. And I just, I feel like those things, that's what's important to me now. I, it's the people, it's the experiences, it's helping others. It's not what I have. I, I had to wear a uniform to work every day. I'm ecstatic. I don't have to worry <laughs> about going out and buying work clothes. I wear sneakers to work. But yeah. Yeah. I have way more handbags than any human being should ever have. Oh, I yeah. need to sell all these puppies. Oh, <laughs> it makes it's space. Crazy. Makes space. Christina, it's not what's important. Yeah. No, it's not. It mm-hmm. was at some point. And again, to you, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
definitely think growing up during the times that we grew up in, very much about keeping up with the Joneses. I would say maybe for me, it was more just not being as mindful early on about what I was doing with my money because I had it and hey, I could spend it. Early on, when Ryan and I first moved down, we got frontline gigs at Disney and we were making just above minimum wage at the time. And I remember saying, okay, we can live on this. So let's remember that because we can live on this, which means that in the future, if we ever have to, but then it was like, Hey, let's, we're making yeah. more money. Let's just buy more things. Let's just do more. And then, so that's shifted. Obviously life has changed. I've grown and our goals are a bit different, but I do think that, I think that the pandemic has made it very eye-opening for many people, how they can really get by without yeah. all of that stuff, all of yeah. those things without spending all of that money. I've been on this environmental kick too, right? It's not a kick Mm because I've been doing it for years, but why are we buying that? It's just waste. It's just waste. It's more waste. It's more waste. So let's take just a quick break. Well, it's not really a break from this conversation because it is connected to this conversation to go to our Did You Know segment. And this is where we introduce a concept or some history or a little tidbit of information related to the topic that's possibly new to some of the listeners or maybe something they haven't thought about for. And in this one, I think people have thought about it for a while because it's what we're living. But, and I don't actually know how surprising this will be to a lot of listeners. It may be exactly what has happened to them over the last two years Mm -hmm. with COVID lockdowns and the limitations and changes and adjustments that have happened with it. And also within these two years, at least here in the US and in in many other nations as well, there's been significant social and political debate and change, Mm -hmm. dialogue, protests, division. And that's also pushed on individuals' value systems and what they are and are not willing to live with. Mm -hmm. So one of, there's a couple articles, there's actually a ton of articles out here that talk about that, but many of the life changes that have been documented that people have been making are one, shifting geographic locations. So a lot of people decided to move out of the city and get more into the suburbs or into more mm-hmm. rural places, more space, better air, whatever that might be. There's been a lot of changes in relationship dynamics. So on both sides mm-hmm. of it. So either people deciding, let's go get married and they've been confirming their relationships or whatever version of that confirmation is meaningful to them. While others have dissolved relationships and said, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't want to continue with this. I actually have a friend who rotated through a couple during COVID. It was like, yeah, no, I'm very clear. When you spend that much time with people, you figure it out very quickly. And as well as what we've been seeing in in the news a lot, which is around people making career and employer decisions and either changing employers or completely changing careers. So there was a survey conducted by a think tank called Global Mm -hmm. Future in the UK. More than a third of the 2000 people surveyed said they had thought about changing jobs while a separate third had looked at moving homes relative to what happened during COVID. One in 10 people said they had looked at moving abroad and just under one in 10 had considered breaking up with their partner or starting a new relationship. And then there was another article in Greater Good Magazine, and it's written um, by a woman who actually contracted COVID pretty early in the pandemic, is officially a long hauler and is experiencing all the effects of being a COVID long hauler and spent quite a bit of time in isolation. She was actually in constant pain, fatigue, brain fog. And so it forced her to slow down and detach from a lot of her everyday activities. She would do going to work, spending time reading, Mm -hmm. TV viewing, exercise, among other activities. 
So during this time period, it forced her to spend a lot of time doing some deep reflection. And here's a few things she came to realize. One was she started noticing what was right in front of her relationships, (laughs) comforts, nature, all sorts of things that were right there. And she never paused long enough to see them. She started realizing she had to unlearn some bad habits. For her, a lot of that was around slowing down and engaging in self-care, building resilience, Mm -hmm. self-compassion. But -hmm. for others, we've heard all sorts of stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was gardening. I never knew I enjoyed this. Had some time to do it. And then she was saying, it's just in general, it's been a time for a collective pause. And for her, it created space to connect with others more deeply and potentially reconnect with people who were important Mm -hmm. to her. But maybe she just lost touch with. And that definitely, I know I definitely um, experienced that. So personally, I I know there's been a lot of debate around the great resignation. And I, I absolutely think that there is a significant bit of that movement is because of how employers treat or take care of their employees. Mm -hmm. But I also think this time people have gotten clearer about what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And they're evaluating the jobs and employers on whether that is a fit anymore, whether it's the work they do, whether it's the value system of the organization and what they do and who they do it for. But I think it gave people time to just have that space. I'm curious your two reactions to this, especially the COVID effect Mm -hmm. on people honing in on what, what matters most. I, I clearly, um, have had some great realizations during this COVID period around a lot of the things that you just referenced, but even things like really understanding how my beliefs around important issues politically, socially, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, align or don't align with other people that I'd really not, I'd really, I just, I had not had time to really think about. And one of the things I've discovered about myself during this time frame too, is that I'm not going to keep my voice quiet. If yeah. I feel strongly about something, I don't care what you think. If you don't agree, I'm going to, and I put some pretty strong opinions out on Facebook, but it has really forced me to evaluate some of the relationships I have where people, you know, I'm just like shocked around some of the things that people believe that I've been friends with for years and I've cut some ties. I've formed some great new relationships. I have learned to, I guess, as part of part of that self-reflection, just learn to be true to myself and not care what other people think. And I think having that time during COVID really has, that's been a critical component for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, all three of us have said this reference to, we just don't care what other people think, but I think the reality is we probably do care, but we've, but I've heard what you've said. I've digested it. It doesn't align. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm moving on. (laughs) Bye-bye. Yeah. 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 Right. Christina, what about you? I definitely, pandemic was concurrent with my own self-discovery. So (laughs) I'm sure that that I'm sure that ability to reflect and see the world in a different way, thinking about when people who have actually died from Mm -hmm. COVID or individuals whose family members or close friends have, it certainly helps to put things into a very different perspective, Mm -hmm. which helped me solidify that life is too short to be some space where you're not 
aligned and whole. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other thing that was really great for me was that it helped me connect with nature in different ways. And mm-hmm. that was also through selfish motives because when we got put on lockdown, as I was reading, like what you were allowed to do, one of the things you were allowed to do was go outside. So mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, Maureen, <laughs> yeah. if we stay six feet apart, when we go out walking and we go do like, we can go do things. So yeah, yeah. Um, we started to go to more nature trails and kayaking and, you know, things that I wouldn't have necessarily, that I wouldn't have necessarily been so jazzed about before. And it helped that I was, that I had gotten myself into good physical shape so that I could go do those things without mm-hmm. regretting it for days after the fact. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. And I, but I know for a fact in talking to other colleagues or individuals that are in my network that they've gone through that same sort of reflection in different areas of their life Mm -hmm. and that it has, they have made some big decisions that they have stated they would not have even considered Mm -hmm. making prior to the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was surprised at what I really didn't miss, what I really missed and what I really didn't miss. (laughs) Okay. That's a signal. (laughs) So we can go from there. All right. And for our listeners, as always, we'll put the links to the articles we referenced for did you know, and uh, the earlier research, and you can find that in those podcast notes so that you can read what we were checking out as well. So now we're on to our last section, and I thought we could discuss some things people can do to start take action. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that have gone through or going through this experience, or perhaps we have some younger women who are just charting their course and we could share something that lets them get ahead of the game. Clearly the three of us are on our own journeys. We are not experts, but we certainly can pass on our, mm-hmm. our advice. And so think you're right. This is going to vary depending on, on what someone answers the, what gives me meaning question. So what people are actually trying to tackle. So maybe we can do this as not so much rapid fire, but maybe we take this thematically and share anything that we have as advice, as far as getting alignment in some of these areas. So I put the categories that were out of the Pew research as, as mm-hmm. something for us to tackle. So any words of wisdom around family, finding better alignment regarding family. I, it's interesting. We're going to have an, an episode coming up soon about elder care mm. and, and our, the listeners that have been listening know that my father passed away in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so last year was really hyper-focused on family and it was, and Jen, you mentioned this earlier, right? Like mm-hmm. it was, it mm-hmm. was exhausting. Yeah. It was exa- I spent a year not feeling like I could actually I was making plans, but all the plans had to have an escape route. And for me with family, I, I feel really grateful because I had the time and ability to get and spend, I I probably spent more time with my father than I would have otherwise, which I'm extremely grateful for. But I think the thing I learned in there was not to lose myself while I was prioritizing what was important regarding family. So I think I, so if I get started a little bit on some words of wisdom and having alignment, which is think about what it is about family that's important to you and how do you do more of that and manage the responsibility and the obligations that can also come with family that maybe don't 
feels so great. And how do you carve? Because you are a member of the family. So how do you carve mm-hmm. out that you are a priority within that family dynamic as well? Mm-hmm. And I only started getting vocal towards the end of the year because I was just, I got to take care of my parents. I got to take care of my mm-hmm. parents. Then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I am a hot mess. If I don't take care of myself, I can't take care yeah. of my parents. So yeah. Then saying, Hey, mom, dad, I need to do this, or I'm going to be there, but this is what I have to do in order to be there. So, um, trying to get a bit more vocal on that. I don't know any advice from the two of you on, I think family's relative, right? It's relative to your family situation. Yeah. 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 I think you hit on a good point though, Katie, as far as just family in general, it's the setting expectations with family to, or or setting boundaries, I guess I, I, I would say. I have, I've gotten a lot better about that. It was almost difficult during COVID because like my aunt in assisted living, she, we couldn't visit her. Yeah, so we yeah. had to get creative with calls outside the windows, et cetera. But even, e- even my boys wanting to help, but setting boundaries, you said it very well. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're not a value to any of your family members. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that is a big one that I've learned. And for me, part of taking care of myself is setting the right boundaries and just being clear on where I can and I can't help. And it's helped me to have healthier relationships too. Yeah. Yeah. You, you help people know the rules of engagement with you. Yeah. It makes yeah. life a little bit yeah. clear from that. Christina, yeah. anything else as far as the family topic? No, I, I think that both of you are really spot on my brother, sister, their families. My mom, I actually moved my mom back to Michigan from Florida during the mm. pandemic. So oh, wow. um, yeah, that was interesting, but I, I just, I think what, what stood out to me was the fact that we were always long distance, but Hey, guess what? We can Skype and Hey, guess what? We mm-hmm. can, like, it doesn't just have to be a telephone call or you can just text somebody like a real quick text. It doesn't have to be a, I'm going to carve out time to actually connect. And that works with family and friends, but yeah. I think that was, so for me, it's just know that in addition to setting those boundaries, like you can also connect in very short bursts and it doesn't have to be this planned long, make it work for you. Moments, find the moments that matter to connect in that way. I, so let me, I'm going to jump to, because of what we're talking about, taking care of ourselves. (laughs) it needs to be a priority. So any advice about alignment around physical and, and mental health? Cause we've all kind of touched on different things. Mm-hmm. I think I, Jen, I so related to what you were sharing, right? Because I'm, I hit 40. I thought it was this magical mm-hmm. biological thing that happened at 40 mm-hmm. that all of a sudden all these things. And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting older. I'm just getting older. But as I learn more and I'm trying to get more focused because I was running half marathons, I was running marathons Mm -hmm. and then I started moving all over the place and I lost my mojo for that. And right now I'm the heaviest I've ever been. So I need to get more focused on those things. But I recognize now that, yeah, getting a little more tired, like my vision getting a lower, like some of that stuff is age related, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it was stress related. And I wish I had put some coping mechanisms and some self-care practices mm-hmm. in place in my twenties, mm-hmm. even my teens that would have set me up <laughs> to be 
better for my 30s, 40s, and now my 50s. So that's uh, my advice would be that it is not too soon to start doing that for yourself, but never. (laughs) No, but, and I think we know what the right things are to do too. But again, because we get so wrapped up in what we're supposed to do and what society tells us are the priorities and we just forget and we put ourselves last and, you know, that, that, um, mental, you know, health for me, that was so key, not being afraid to say, I need some help. I need to talk to someone and ha- and not just a friend. I need to talk to a professional yeah. and have them help me really dissect, dig deep on what I'm feeling, what got me here and how I keep myself from going back there. And in the health things too, I think it's just as simple as listening to your body and not making assumptions. When I started feeling this pain, my dad's a doctor and I'm like, Oh dad, now I've got these little pains going on. And and he's no, that's not age related. That's not normal. You know, so listen to your body and, and act on it. Yeah. I think I think that's really great advice. I also think for me, for my personal journey, since I really believe that, as I mentioned, like the tide turned when I started to focus mm-hmm. on my physical well-being. Yeah. Was it, it's tough, man. Like when you've mm-hmm. been out of shape for I'd been out of shape, like I said, my entire life, but when you've been out of shape and you decide that you want to start exercising, it's hard not just mm-hmm. to form the habit, but to actually. <laughs> do it. 20 minute workouts that were low impact beginner workouts. I'd get five minutes in. I'd be like, <gasps> and I, I wouldn't want to keep going. Now I had an accountability partner. We, we worked, we weren't working out together, but she'd let me know that she completed a workout. I let her know that I completed my workout. We were using YouTube videos I that I could do. Yeah. I was still traveling for one of my jobs at the time. And the other thing is it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. It took me three years to it's perseverance that yeah. like 70 well 60 pounds but either way it took me a long time to get That's to a awesome. point where now if I don't have that activity if I go a few days without that activity then I'm like oh I feel like crap and oh I know yeah. why I feel like crap because I haven't done something so I think there's that cut yourself some mm-hmm. and 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 know that you're not going to every single day succeed but cut yourself yeah. some slack And then I am also a firm believer in the connection between healthy spirit, healthy body and healthy mind. I think it's only, I shouldn't say only, but I I do believe that my being in the best physical condition that I've been in my life might have made it more evident to me when I was starting to go through the emotional things I was going through, the stress Mm -hmm. impacts that I would have possibly just said, I feel like. I don't feel great all the time anyway. So what is this? This is just probably related to the fact that I'm overweight or this or that. So, yeah. And I think you really, it didn't happen overnight. It took three years. Technically it's been taking our whole lives. It's learning what's important to us. And the thing about your story, right? Like how I felt when I started investing in this physical health, how it impacted my mental health, how it, it was, I, I was supposed to go on this when I lived in Singapore and it was one of those things I'm like, I can't, I love visiting cities, but I can't live in a city unless I have access to green. And I learned that because of a vacation that got canceled that I was bummed about, but the backup vacation sent us on this hiking trip. And I was 
I like, I felt myself again. I was energized. And then we're in the airport to go home and I'm sobbing. And my husband's oh. like, what is the matter with you? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to go home. Like, I couldn't, like, I really couldn't figure it out until we went on that next big outdoor experience. And I felt kind of that euphoria again and felt like, like I fit in my skin again. And I'm like, ah, I need to be outdoors doors. Like I need to have access to nature. So I think for all of us, what we're sharing, whether it's about family or whether it's about physical and mental health, it's, and we've all said it in some way is tuning into those signals that our body, Mm -hmm. like, we're like, your body is telling you what to do. You just got to be able to, to listen to it. All right. So the last topic that I feel like we should give any bits and pieces of advice we've picked up along the way is around work since We've all kind of had these epiphanies around work and with everybody going with the great resignation, I feel like we should throw a little something out there into the, the universe. I still stick to taking the time and really, truly trying to understand your value system Mm -hmm. and then your energizers and your drainers, because whether you have the luxury of waiting for the perfect job with the perfect Mm -hmm. company or whether you have to take the job that's in front of you. I think when you understand those things, you at least go into the situation knowing I'm going to have alignment here and I'm not going to be aligned here. And where I'm not Mm -hmm. aligned, this is how I'm going to manage it, right? Like it's a moment Mm -hmm. in time because while I do this, I'm going to go seek something else or whatever it might be. But that to me is the whole knowledge is power because it doesn't necessarily change the decision you need to make today. It could, but it does help you navigate how you get to something that's a little bit more in alignment. But what about the yeah. two of you? What pearls of wisdom on our multi-decade working experience here? For me, I think it's just don't settle. You know, don't settle because you think it's what you're supposed to do or because you're going to disappoint someone if you decide you want to do something different. I'd say, don't be afraid to have the conversation with your significant other if you're in a relationship. Hey, can I talk to you about how I'm feeling? And I need you to be a partner with me in exploring other options. I love what you said about taking a look at the values and alignment, lack of alignment. I think that's critical, but I think, I think a lot of it is just don't, don't settle. If it doesn't feel right to your point, I think Christina, you said, you like, listen to your gut, your gut knows your instinct knows. So don't, don't just let it lie, explore it. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is understanding that what, so when you do fully understand your values, when you do work to align your values and what it is that you do well and what you want to do with the organization that you, that you choose, right. They choose you, but not, that's what we hear. They choose you, but really Mm -hmm. it's mutual. This decision is a mutual decision. And ultimately you have that control, but even when you've done all of that work, and you get to a space where you realize that something's misaligned. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Like, yeah. don't be afraid to yeah. say, 
if you've truly gone through all of your options, like don't be afraid to say it's okay. This has nothing mm-hmm. to do with me. This has nothing to do with the organization. It has to do with the two of us together, right? Yeah, I yeah. think of people, I think of the, the people in my lives that I know who have ended relationships in very mm-hmm. mature ways. And that's oftentimes yeah. what ends up happening. We were right, mm-hmm. we were together, but then eventually something changed and now we're not. And yeah we have to make this adult decision. And I'm always like, wow, that's, that's so mature of you. And actually all of this is the biggest piece of advice. Break the chain of our relationship with suffering. Yes, yes, definitely. Yes. It's not noble. All right. Well, that's it for today's conversation on what matters most. It's now time for our segment. It doesn't all suck where we share a bit of good news happening in the world. And for this episode's piece of joy, I am straying a bit away. We normally highlight something um, that is a story about a woman, but I loved this story so much and it's spring. So I, I had to share this. This is the story of Keith Owen, who's a Canadian millionaire who in 2007 was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I promise you it gets better. Not for Keith, but it is a good story. As his dying wish, he left almost $3 million to a voluntary conservation society in Sidmouth, in Devon, Southwest England, Mm -hmm. where he had planned to retire and where he spent his final days. His wish was for the money to be used to support local projects, which made use of voluntary labor and in particular to sustain the ambiance and way of life recognized in Sidmouth and its surroundings. So with that money, a valley of 153,000 bulbs were planted by volunteers. And right now they are finally starting to bloom starting with over a hundred thousand daffodils. Oh, the picture, we'll put the link to this article in the podcast notes. The pictures are beautiful. There are over 50 sites that have been planted with his donation. And as I said, the pictures are stunning and I'm a sucker for bulb plants. Like I love this time of year right now, especially here in Seattle, they're popping up everywhere. I'm constantly taking pictures. I don't have kids. This might actually be what I do. It's leave my money to have some beauty planted for people to enjoy. But like I said, I'll put the the link out there. You all can go check that out, but it's just absolutely stunning. All right. Everyone as usual. We have one last thing before we end today's show. And that's our ask that action or activity that we ask you to consider doing based on our conversation. And for this episode's ask, we encourage you to ask yourself the question from the Pew survey, what makes life meaningful to you? Explore this and capture it in whatever way works best for you. Journal it, photograph it, a vision board, a playlist of music. I like post-its on my board, put it on post-its, sky's the limit. (laughs) Jen, you would find quotes. I would, and I'd do little (laughs) quote boards. But once you capture your thoughts and ideas, revisit that list whenever you need to make a life decision, big or small, and ask yourself, does it move me closer to this or does it pull me further away? And while we often don't have the luxury of choosing the option that moves us closer all the time, perhaps through a series of choices, you can find yourself a bit more alignment and satisfaction. So with that, I want to give a big imperfect life thank you to my two guests, Jen and Christina. And I am so super honored that you would uh, join the show and share your stories. Any last parting words for our listeners before we sign off? This is Jen. I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to participate. And it was wonderful getting to share my story and my own personal insights. But this was such 
time well spent for me because I got to hear wonderful insights from the two of you as well. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you as well. Christina? I absolutely echo that. And I also would just like to say to the listeners, I said it once already today, but cut yourself some slack. Like yeah. life is messy. Self-discovery takes time and patience. Yes. Don't be afraid to seek assistance when you need it. And most of all, trust your, it'll, it'll tell you, you might not want to listen, but it'll tell you. <laughs> Yeah, sure will. <laughs> For sure. And on that note, a big thank you to all of you listening. We so appreciate you coming along for the ride. And if you haven't subscribed yet, I keep asking why not? Please subscribe and also come see us on social media and www.liveimperfect.com. And if you haven't joined us at the corner yet, we'd love to see you there where we continue the conversation. Get started at our website, www.liveimperfect.com and select the corner to find how you can sign up to be a member. And for now, that is it. So until next time, I'll see you at the corner. Bye-bye.